Hello? Hi, my name is Patrick. I'm one of the organizers of the book fair. And right now, it's my honor to introduce to my left, George Sinsenko. He was a veteran of the Derudi column, and he fought there when he was 16. And to my right, uh, Mo Fishman, who is now the, currently the secretary of the Abraham Lincoln um, Brigade, and also um, fought in the Spanish Civil War with him. So, without further Without further ado, I'm going to pass the microphone to George Sisenko. And if any of you have any problem hearing, just raise your hand or something. I'll turn the volume up on the PA. Thank you, Patrick, for this introduction. Comrade, uh, as you heard already, I participated in the Spanish Civil War. Now, I would like to go a little bit back before the Spanish Civil War, after World War One. The proletariat was completely down, the capitalism was taking over, and uh, the people who participated in World War I were completely uh, uh, demoralized because there was a lot of discipline during the war. And so we kids, 16 years old, we were more advanced than the 40 years veteran from the war. On the other side, Hitler Mussolini was building up a force. The democracy was crumbling. The proletariat was completely down. The capitalist was winning the war because with the gap among the rich and the poor was growing every day. We were young. We had a fist fighting in Paris, my city, and the right wing, left wing. When came the election in Spain in 1936, and the popular front won. It was like a, a star coming in the sky for us, giving us a hope that the democracy and the, our ideal wasn't dead yet. And we were jubilant, we were happy, because we were surrounded by fascism and complete indifference from the democracy. United States, France, England, they didn't want to get involved with Hitler and Mussolini. We were completely isolated. We were happy. But suddenly, on July 19, 1936, Franco, the fascist, he came from Africa where he was in Morocco with the foreign legion, mercenary, and uh, the selected soldier troops from Spain invading Spain to destroy the republic. They were taking town after town because it, Spain was a backward country at that time. 90% were analphabet. They didn't have a law. They didn't have any union. They didn't have any protection. The people were, didn't have lands. 70% of the lands be, belonged to the churches, and the rest of, of the, the, the land were belonged to the rich people. When they didn't expect this fascism taking over one land after the next. And so we, the people living in other countries who have seen the star of the freedom of democracy growing, is losing. We lost our dream. The fascism was taking over. And so we decided 
to go to fight the fascism. It's a unique case in the world that from 54 countries, 35,000 volunteers went Russian to Spain to fight for the same idea without any connection, without any appealing to each other, any, any propaganda. I was 16 years old and I decided to fight also. I went to see the socialists and say, I want to fight in Paris where I was living. And they say, how old are you? 16 years old, no, 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 we don't want kids who will be crying on the front. We need soldiers and people already who have some experience. I went to see the communists. She said, no, 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 kids, we don't want kids. I was desperate. I wanted to fight for the democracy. And somebody told me, why don't you go to see the anarchists? <laughs> okay, she went in the, in the Place de l'Opera in Paris, uh, in a shabby uh, building, in the second floor. It was sitting a guy with a big belly and a red nose or a red wine drinker. He said, what do you want to rock? I said, I want to go to fight uh, against the fascism in Spain. Okay, come the next week with Hacker I'm going to Spain. He didn't ask my age, my years <laughs> <laughs> ago. Now I had the first time I had a contact with anarchists. I was Marxist at the time, but totally very decided. In 1934, some comrade anarchist in Paris told me, you know Machno, he died. You know, anarchist Machno, the Russian Machno and we have to go to the burial. And I assisted to the burial of Makhno, who was a legendary anarchist fighting in Russia. I met also over there uh, Bergman, Alexander Bergman, uh, from Russian descent, an American anarchist who came all over, also participated with 300 people at, at the Père Lachaise Cemetery in Paris, where Makhno is buried. Actually, that was my first experience with the anarchists. I started reading about Bakunin. I started reading about uh, all the anarchist movement, and I was seduced by him. When I went to Spain, and we stopped a, 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 a group of 16 French volunteers who crossed the border. At that time, the border was still accessible, and we went to Puigcerda. Puigcerda, like all the part of the north, the Catalonia and uh, Aragon was run by the anarchists. It was amazing. They had three factories with three to five hundred workers in each. And uh, that the first time we have seen that the anarchism can succeed. There is a possibility to succeed because too many people say anarchism is disorganization. No, anarchism is not disorganization. Anarchism is give the quality of life to everybody, opportunity, and we don't deject anybody. Everybody has the same opportunity, has the same value, the human value, not the money value, the human value. And so the owner of the factory ran away, they went to Franco. They established a committee for each one of the factory. They were run by them. They had also a monastery with 50 nuns. And so we dispatched one of the miliciano. The time before we were called Brigadista, it was miliciano. And he came to the convent and he said, ladies, God is dead. And so this house doesn't belong to him anymore. <laughs> 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 
and this beautiful building, and we will make a hospital on that. You get the work, and and the one, the nun who opened the door, she stayed with the musician, or living with him. So that she, she liked it. Anyhow, after that, they were putting some order. They went to a brothel. There were about 30 prostitutes and four pimps with them. They said the same thing. I know that the capitalism forced you to sell your body as to su su survive. Now you don't need to do that. You're a citizen like anybody else. Look for your job. The four pimps have been shot in two hours since we came over there. Yeah. We don't accept the exploitation of anybody. Anybody can own any other human being. We're against that. The money is not important for us. Prison, we don't need prison. We give a chance to everybody to start a new life. But if this person is coming, uh, committing crimes against the people, he will be shot or free. That was the, the, the first time I, I was from to the anarchist system. From Quichelda, I was sent to Barcelona. In Barcelona, I hear speaking German, Italian, Czech. I said, what are you doing here? I knew what you're doing here. We came to fight for Spain. Like I said, it wasn't organized. It was spontaneous. The people come from all over. Uh, and uh, we organize ourselves. I belong to the Sebastian IV column in the army of Duruti. Duruti was a legendary revolutionary who had been condemned to death in the United States, in Spain, and in, 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 in France for his activity. And of course, when came the Spanish Civil War, he came to Spain, and he was directing uh, a, an attack against a, a quartel, a, a, a barracks, a soldier. He said, listen, we are many, and uh, there are not enough people to kill all of us. If we rush against against the, the, this fortress, military fortress, we will take it. We lost a lot of people, and unfortunately, Doruti has been killed by a bullet. Until now, we don't know where it went. Anyhow, we were sent in Aragon. In Aragon, we had the same process of liberation and the anarchist organization. It looked impossible because all of us, we are brainwashed since we are born by the capitalist system that the money is the only value. No, the money is not a value. The value is human being the value. And there is no reason. I am maybe Don Quixote. I am maybe a dreamer. I cannot see a poor kid hungry on the street. I cannot see a homeless on the street. And I cannot accept that here, the richest country in the world, we have one million homeless. It's unbelievable. And three million people behind the bars in the prison. We have a high percentage of unemployed people. We don't do anything here. For motor, general motor, all that is finished. We buy in other countries with the labor is cheap. China actually has more dollars than we have. But we have to understand that uh, in between the civil war, Spanish civil war, and actually now a lot of things happened, and the capitalists took over. They were finding 
places where they were paying one dollar per day work, one dollar per day, and uh, little by little the American worker remained unstable. The socialism, the communism, who was a hope of the worker, collapsed with the Soviet Union. And so the proletariat is completely abandoned, completely orphaned, orphaned. Uh, here in the United States, we have 10 or 7% of people workers belonging to the union. I mean, while in Europe, in Spain, they are at 70, 80, 90%. If something happened, they declare a strike and they paralyze all the country. Here, the, the workers are completely abandoned. Anyhow, when we were fighting in Spain, and uh, like I said, Franco was going, taking one town after the next. He was close to Madrid, close to Madrid, and uh, he was 10 or 15 miles from Madrid. And he said, uh, he said, oh, telephone at that time, taking her fax or, uh, or email. Uh, the next Sunday, I will have a dinner in that restaurant. He took the more expensive restaurant in Madrid because I will be there. It was easy because he was going one town after the next. The Spanish with guns, without instruction, without real ideal, were too weak to face the mercenary army Franco. They sent us the, the International Brigade at the end of 1936, beginning of 1937. And we stayed. In the first, in the first month, 70% of the international have been killed or wounded, but we stayed there. Some of us never had a gun, never had shot. I will tell you my own experience. They gave me a gun, 100 bullets. I just said, okay, come over there and shoot any piece of paper, a stone, whatsoever that you're in training. And three times, three bullets, we cannot waste more. That was my military instruction. But like the Spanish said, you need not only, the, the gun is not shooting by itself. You need to push the finger, and the finger, you need cojones, you need balls. <laughs> and that's that exactly. We had something, this ideal and this anger that they were stealing our ideal. Franco was destroying the most beautiful thing that we had. And uh, unfortunately, if it weren't for the capitalist world and the power Democrat who didn't help us, we could have we could have won the the, the war. But Hitler and Mussolini were sending soldiers to Spain. Uh, United States General Motors and Ford Motor were sending five thousand trucks in credit line. Uh, but nobody wanted to get involved. Roosevelt, who, in my, in my opinion, was one of the best president we ever had, only before he died recognized that the biggest blunder of his administration was not to help the Spanish Republic. Because if the democracy hadn't been our friends, England, United States, we could have avoided World War II, where 56 million human beings have been killed. Destruction, the shame of the Holocaust, 
racism on that. On that has been that the democracy had, had maybe guilty a field because as now also we have the Democrats who don't do anything. We said uh, the war in Iraq, which is not a war, it's a war of imperialism. We will maybe uh, retrieve the soldiers at the end of 2008. And we, uh, veterans of the war, we go on the street with posters saying, bring the truth now. And so uh, it, it, we, do, we are again abandoned, completely abandoned, like it, were, it was before the World War II. What I try to say that we have now a new generation. We have a new uh, resurgence of the anarchism. The people understand now that anarchism is not disorganization. We have an idea. We have a, a process. But the capitalism tried to create an idea that without the capitalism, without the money, without the organization that we have, the world cannot survive. The, American worker is much worse right now than if he was 20, 30 years ago. I don't know what will be the future. Anyhow, what ended in Spain, we didn't have any help. The border from France were closed. Hitler sent 50,000 50, soldiers, 1,000 airplanes. Mussolini sent thousands of soldiers. Meanwhile, uh, it was a trick that they uh, outsmart the democracy when the fascists uh, uh, suggested to create no intervention. No intervention means close the border in Spain, uh, remove all the international because we were not too many. We were, like I said, 30,000, 40,000. We were a group of shuffle that the people could to us if there was a weak front to be sending the international troops and we were fighting. They put us a condition to remove all the international brigades and they promised to remove all the German and the Italian. You heard of Guernica. Guernica is a town in Spain where the German pilot who didn't have experience, they came training, destroying one Sunday all the town just to train uh, to see the guns and how to put the key, destroy completely the town. And they committed a massacre, taking people to the cemetery, shooting people, anyhow. Once again, the democracy and even the Spanish government, they accepted and asked us to leave Spain because in 1938 and uh, the Passionaria made a beautiful speech when she said that you are hero, your your history, and but that didn't help very much. Anyhow, now I hope that the young people we are giving to the young people the torch for the freedom because. It's too heavy for us to carry, and you have the responsibility to keep the fight. Now, uh, I would like to introduce my comrade, Mo Fishman.
for Fishman belongs to what Passionaria said. He is here, he is a history, his legend. He has been fighting with the Abraham Lincoln Brigade, his secretary now, and uh, he never boosted one millimeter of his ideal, and uh, he keeps on our side, on the side of the proletariat and on the side of the democratic ideals. see who I'm talking to and it's tough to see you from the sea. You know, we, uh, in America, the veterans of the Abraham Lincoln Brigade have been accused year after year by one reactionary committee or another, or the government even, of being tools of the Communist Party. And uh, I put it to you that my comrade George over here is a living example that we're not tools of the Communist Party. <laughs> If the Communist Party were running the Veterans of Lincoln Brigade, I don't know if we'd have taken them into the organization. <laughs> uh, he's given you the picture as he saw it and from where he came. Let me give you the picture that I have uh, coming from the United States, uh, having been secretary since 1950, having accumulated a bit more knowledge than I accumulated when I was in Spain. Uh, uh, let me give you this picture of what the war was about and why we fought it and what we did there and why we came home, etc., etc. In 19, in February of 1936, a popular front government was elected in Spain. It was not a socialist, uh, it had no socialist program, it had no concept of overthrowing capitalism. It was simply an election, which it, uh, it, the first election took place in 1932 after the King of Spain abdicated. Excuse me giving you some history, but you have to have some background to understand what happened in Spain. And scholars, though I'm sure all of you are, I don't know if you've delved into the history of Spain to this degree. And the elections that took place in 1932 and 1934 were mainly won by the right including the fascist party, including uh, the, those who were for the king, what, how do you call them again? The Carlists. Carlists, yes. And uh, uh, that election totally surprised the right in that the left center coalition, which consisted of the, uh, the Socialist Party, the Communist Party, the Trotskyist Party, uh, the anarchists did not vote in that election. Uh, it consisted of trade unionists, and it consisted of the people of Spain. And as George pointed out, some 80% of them were illiterate, did not read or write. And in that election, when the uh, Popular Front won, by the way, the Popular Front concept was originated by the communists, and they succeeded in winning elections in two big states, France and Spain. I would say much to our surprise, I was a communist at the time, I had joined the Young Communist League. I went to Spain when I was 21. This is the 70th anniversary. 
I'm old, I'm old. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I go back a bit, but what I'm trying to do is give a picture of the political atmosphere at the time and what was happening. If uh, the elections take place in February and in July, July 18, 1936, a organizes to overthrow the legally elected government. The junta consisted of the fascist, the party of the fascists. It consisted of the army, the whole leadership of the army. Uh, it consisted of the hierarchy of the Catholic Church. And it consisted of the businesses, the big businesses of Spain, uh, the big outstanding big man there, uh, equivalent to, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, his name was Juan March. Um, and uh, they wouldn't uh, stand for the uh, revolutionary things that the Republic was introducing. Number one, it was gently releasing the iron hand of the Catholic Church on the whole educational system by creating public schools. It was beginning to, to, to tackle the problems, problems of literacy. It gave the right to workers to organize and trade unions. And it uh, gave women the right to not to be slaves. They introduced legislation which uh, uh, made it possible for them to inherit, to uh, uh, vote, etc., etc. And this was too revolutionary concept for them, and so they revolted. The revolt takes place in July. And how does a revolt take place? I don't know if any of you really know this. If, if, if you have the army behind you, you can always win a revolt. The way most revolts work, or at least in, the, in many countries, uh, the army has army exercises, and it puts troops into the armories of a city, and they're engaged in exercises of one kind or another. The public doesn't know what the heck's going on. Uh, this is uh, how they train their troops. In the case of an of a, uh, uprising or revolt, they put the troops into these armories, and at a given signal, the soldiers go out and they attack the uh, public buildings, the parliament. Uh, they attack the telephone company, take it over. The newspapers, wherever they are individually, take them over. And when they have all of these things in control, there's nobody to fight them back, and bingo, you've got a uh, victory for the revolt. In Spain, something unusual happened. They were, the, the people who had organized and won the elections in February had done so by being in touch with each other. You had the various political parties in touch with each other. You had unions in touch with each other, fraternal organizations, and so on. And they suspected something was going to happen, and they were prepared for it. And when the revolt breaks out, the electricians call the plumbers, the plumbers call the dry goods workers, uh, you name it, whatever union, and he said, look, you go and protect the parliament building. Get all your members and go to the parliament building and stop the troops from taking over. Uh, uh, you uh, printers, you, you go to the telephone building and stop the, uh, flash the troops from taking it, or if they take it, attack the telephone building and get them the hell out of there. Get whatever guns you have at home, blunderbusses, hunting rifles, whatever the hell you have, and go out there and, and, and take it. And everybody goes, men and women. And you go even if you don't have any guns, and when somebody falls, you pick up that gun and you use it. And that's what happened. 
And literally, you know, try to imagine it, what a tremendous achievement it was for these people to, the, 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 the revolt takes place in 15 of the major cities throughout Spain. And they are defeated in, in all but three of them. They are defeated in 12 of the uh, big cities of Spain uh, that they have attacked. And this is without an army and so on and so forth. Uh, Franco wins in three provinces close to Portugal. Portugal has sent some troops across to help them and eventually sent 10,000. But faced with this disaster, Franco calls Hitler. And it's at this point only that the world learns that not only was this Junta acting alone, but they had made an agreement with Hitler and Mussolini for support. They didn't think they would need it to the extent that it finally wound up, but that's the way it worked. And he calls Hitler and he says, send transport planes to Morocco, Franco was telling this, that there were the troops, the Moroccan troops that he had trained, and send troop, uh, transport planes and transfer them to Cadiz. We learned later that the reason that the Moroccans were willing to do this, the Moroccans hated the Spaniards, who had occupied them, treated them as a colony, had forced them into the army, or coerced them, or the only way they could make a buck or make a living was to go into the army, but they hated all Spaniards. And he promised them that they could, any towns that they took, they could rape, kill, take property, do anything they pleased. And as long as they were killing Spaniards, they didn't care if they were fascist uh, Spaniards or anti-fascist Spaniards. They went because of, uh, of this particular war. Eventually, Portugal sent 10,000 troops. Italy sent 70,000 troops. And the uh, Germans sent only 18,000. But those 18,000 were airmen and their planes, both bombers and uh, fighter pilot planes and the uh, personnel to uh, keep it afloat, to fix it when it came down, rearm it and so on, and the arms and ammunition to do that. He did the same thing with tanks, and the same thing with artillery. And though their numbers were not as great as the Italians, they were more effective in terms of uh, the fight against the Republic. Uh, with all of this, then, he goes and reconquers Spain. If you see the map of Spain after the revolt takes place and they fail in, 50, in 12 of the, uh, the major cities, the major part of Spain is held by the Republic. But with the preponderance of arms and ammunition that are being sent to his side, his army begins to slice through what is literally a pretty much defenseless country. Those who had put down the rebellion formed what they called militias. And there were, as George pointed out, anarchist militias. There were uh, socialist militias, left Republican militias, uh, and communist uh, militias, and trade union militias. And uh, uh, pretty much operating independent of each other. How are you going to defend against an organized army that's attacking you, uh, as I indicated? Uh, uh, in your own country. Uh, they had to act, and they had to act fast. And what they did was, I mean, you have a short break in period between July and the put down of the, of the rebellion and the reattack against the republic. 
which begins in September. Now, that was a short period of time. But by September, the Moroccan troops were in the south, the Italians were sending troops and the Portuguese and the Carlists, and wherever uh, Franco conquers any piece of the territory, he immediately drafts all uh, young people from 17 up, puts them into the army, and puts, puts uh, his, his troops or others behind them, forcing them to fight whether they wanted to or not. There were some, I presume, that were fascist minded and probably volunteered or whatever, but the majority of those that he has fighting for him were drafted. And it's against this that you have a republic fighting. Now, if this had been a fight that had went on, uh, whatever it resulted in, it would have been a blip in history, it would have been reported, and so on. What made it different was the fact that Hitler and Mussolini intervened. And they intervened at a time when fascism was on the rise, Japan in the Far East, Mussolini since 21, and Hitler since 1932, when he was given the uh, premiership of uh, Germany by Ribbentrop, who was then the president of uh, Germany. Ribbentrop, no, I think it's a different name. Uh, so that what became obvious is this was a fight between the forces of appeasement, of those who were ready to appease fascism, and fighting, actually engaging in the fight against fascism. And when that became apparent, uh, because the premier of Spain at that time, whose name was Caballero, he wanted to, what had happened is that a non-intervention committee had been sent up by Chamberlain, and under his leadership, they wanted to, they didn't want to get involved in a war in Spain, and they, their, their thinking was, as long as you could have the fascists fight the communists, they stood the game no matter what the hell it was. So, uh, they didn't want to get involved in uh, war in Spain, and in effect, what that did was to stop the stop the other democracies, including the United States, from selling arms to a fellow democracy, which has been the practice for years. That you sold arms, and it is today. Uh, you can buy arms uh, all over the place uh, uh, by by providing the money. The the uh, Republic did not call for volunteers. The Republic uh, needed only to have the arms, and they felt that they could repel. Even when they found out it was the fascists who were supporting the uh, uh, junta, they was, loved their Republic so much they were willing to sacrifice and try to beat the fascists. And so it comes to pass that uh, Caballero, seeing that he couldn't buy the arms, he thought he he, he thought of the idea of calling for an international brigade, and he let the international brigade come across the border from France with two purposes in mind. Number one, he thought that if people, ordinary people, came from these countries, they could influence their governments to change from a policy of appeasement to one of actively fighting fascism. And secondly, he got automatically, because there had always been a draft in Europe, he automatically got men who were the soldiers who were trained. To, and those who volunteered automatically became uh, leaders in the militias and later in the armed forces of the uh, Spanish government. Uh, so how do you get uh, volunteers to come to Spain? Uh, 
it poses a problem. Uh, in democratic countries, uh, they don't want you recruiting people to go fight somewhere else. Matter of fact, they make it illegal for you to do that. Uh, the world in 1936 was mostly colonies. Uh, slight, uh, uh, all Latin America, Asia, the Middle East, the Far East were uh, uh, cut up and owned by the imperialists. Uh, how can you get recruits? It is our opinion, we don't have a paper trail for it, that uh, we know that it has to be so, that uh, Caballero approached the commentary. And he said to them, look, we would like you to recruit uh, men and uh, women to come fight in Spain, but that this is not to be a Bolshevik revolution, and you are not to uh, recruit only communists. Uh, we will not permit it. And uh, so that worked. All of the recruiting agents in the United States, it was the Communist Party, were told that this is what they had to do. And I can tell you from my own experience and from what we know about the Americans who went across, there were 2,800 Americans, men and women, who finally volunteered to go fight in Spain. And of them, about 60% were members of the Communist Party. We had socialists, uh, we had uh, um, Zionists, uh, we had trade unionists. Uh, the committee, I know, tried to get a larger grouping than the 60% to go across, and we were not able to do it at the time. But, uh, you know, it's not an easy thing to go recruit people and tell them to go die. Uh, you have to have some kind of a, a motivation. And the motivation lay mostly in the left. Why? Because the left and I, through the socialists, Trotskyists, everybody else, we had read Hitler, Mein Kampf, or about Mein Kampf, and we knew he was out to conquer the world, and we knew that if the, the policy uh, that was initiated in Spain of not fighting fascism, but appeasing fascism continued, there would be World War II. And in letter after letter, you find the Americans writing home saying that to their neighbors, their friends, their political uh, associates and so on, we must stop fascism here. If we don't, there will be World War II. As a matter of fact, Horton Mifflin published a book of those letters. And the book is 600 pages long and doesn't include all the letters. And it, 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 almost every one of them is saying the same thing. And you can say we were brainwashed and so on and so forth. I don't think that's true. We understood that if fascism won in Spain, we would have World War II. My gosh, uh, you know, life is what it is, and it proved we were right. Can you imagine a world which would not have had World War II? There's speculation what could have happened. Uh, faced with a two-front war, we don't think Hitler would have started a war. Where he, or if he did, he would have been shortchanged quickly, uh, put out of business. Uh, in any case, it didn't happen that way, and World War II resulted, and the misery and so on. Am I going to pass my time? I want to leave time for you guys to ask questions, and that's why I want to make it as brief as possible. Uh, yes, we fought, and we fought on really well. We Americans didn't have a draft, and uh, uh, fortunately for us, when we got across, which was six months later, the rebellion is July of 36. The attack of Franco against his own country starts in September, and uh, Madrid uh, is defended like mad by people of Madrid. Uh, um, in January of 1937, 
is when we Americans got across. Uh, took that long uh, organization and so on and so forth. Uh, by that time, uh, the border had been closed. The 96 Americans left on one ship, the first batch, in, on Christmas Day, 1936. And they crossed the border in a train. I didn't get there until February, and I had to go over the mountain. I had to climb the pyramids. Uh, that's a rough business. Uh, we used to have a song about it. We got to have some good song. All the borders closed, and the gods are there. Oh, pray, what can we do? do? It's plain to see our task must be to climb the pyramid. Honey, 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 little lines, I love you. Honey, little lines, I love you. Love you, little sit down, and in the fall, little lines, I love you. Little lines, I love you. Love you, best of all. One more verse. <laughs> oh, a longshoreman with Joey Sands. He handled the harness from all the lands. He's here in Spain with a one thought in mind. The shelf of banana up front goes behind me. <laughs> chicken shit out to begin with, we learned. And the fascists learned to hate us as much as they hated all of the international brigades. They fought longer, harder, were less likely to yield to pressure, would go for weeks without relief because they were motivated. We were motivated. And we were motivated as anti-fascists. And I put it to you as an ideology it is something separate ideology of anti-fascism. Uh, we all recognized that we were not going to get a socialist Spain. This was not going to be a Bolshevik revolution. It was made plain for us from the beginning. And that it, it, whatever the Spanish people were going to decide, and from the, yes, the army was organized uh, pretty much along uh, the lines of the Bolshevik revolution in that we had commissars. And uh, commissars were equal to the officer who was the military guy. And uh, uh, his job, in addition to uh, making sure we got food, hot food if we could get it, the best food we could get, uh, was the whole bullshit sessions where we, he would read translations or get somebody to read translations from all the newspapers that were being published in Spain, from left to right. I know we, we didn't get the ones that the fascists published. But uh, we were aware of all that was going on, and we were aware of the tremendous effort that the Spanish people were making. And to us, there remains to this day a love of the Spanish people for what they underwent in the fight against fascism because they loved their legally elected government so much and would fight for it even though the fascists were involved. I remember seeing a movie fairly recently made in Spain in which some guy, I don't know what particular party he was, but he turns to his family, this is long after World War II, and they're in the concentration camps in France, and he turns to them and he says, if I don't know what the result would be, uh, what tremendous sacrifices all of you would have to make because of the decision that I made to fight for the Republic, I don't know what I would have made. And uh, for that reason, as I said, we love the Spanish people 
all of us branch. Uh, I'm getting kind of back too far. Uh, I will close. I hope you ask some interesting questions. I'll give you some interesting answers. Thank you. If you have a question, just raise your hand um, and I'll call on you and stand up and then just shout it as loud as possible. Um, I was in Spain last year and I visited some different regions and uh, the Basque and, Catal and, and the Basque and Catalonia uh, independence movements are very strong right now. I was wondering what the status of the independence movements was back then and um, if those regions were supportive or opposed to the Republic and how they fit into it all. I have a hearing problem, and so I need my interpreter to repeat. Who's in the Basque country? Look, the Basque country. You people are all political. I'm going to take the say uh, so that you can understand the political terms I'm talking about. Uh, the, the, the fight for national liberation on the part of peoples, peoples who are uh, fighting to have their own country. Uh, we know that uh, the parameters for a state pretty much are people who speak the same language, uh, people who have the same economic background, same cultural background, uh, etc. And uh, uh, by and large, uh, it doesn't affect us badly. Uh, we say, well, okay, I mean, the Kurds have been fighting for God knows how long. Uh, for uh, their uh, liberation. Uh, the, the, the approach that I take, now this is not the International Brigade, that's not the Veterans League Brigade, the approach I take to this is, and I, uh, I no longer remember the Communist Party, but this comes from Lenin, and uh, he, he put it this way. He says, if that struggle, that national struggle, is hurting imperialism, is aimed basically at imperialism, he said, I would support it. If it's not, it's a struggle that's going nowhere. If they're going to end up in capitalism, uh, they're going to have the same problems. They're going to have the same problems all over again. Uh, it, it's not worthwhile. Uh, now, to answer your question specifically, the Basque, uh, we were delighted in Spain when we learned what uh, uh, a liberal, what the, the, the newly elected government of Spain of 1936 did with Catalonia, uh, the uh, Basque country, and uh, Galicia, uh, it gave them all kinds of full rights. The first time they could uh, study their own language in their own schools, uh, have their own ministers, uh, uh, that if you call it a state, have a state government, and so on and so forth. Uh, what they were not given the right to do was to secede and, uh, uh, from the uh, country of Spain. Uh, during the war in Spain, they were outstanding in their struggle against it, as were the Catalonians, as were the Galicians. Uh, uh, the war ends. Franco was in power. They conducted a terrific struggle against the Franco government. Against the Franco government. It was just, you know, uh, not more than any of the other of the anti-Francoists who were all going to jail or being uh, tortured or being killed 
by Franco for their oppositions, trade unionists, uh, members of any other political party, and just ordinary people who had lived under the Republic and loved the Republic and would make a remark against Franco and they would be subject to all of these things. As long as this was directed against Franco, it was, in my opinion, a just thing, a positive thing, and I support it. Once the Republic gets its freedom, uh, which happened when Franco dies in 75, and there's a constitutional convention called in 76. And, and, and remarkable, it's the first time that I ever heard, I, I, it only happened that I know of somewhat similar in Chile, uh, in that the uh, constitutional convention is called and everybody is asked to make compromises because they want to establish a republic, you know, they want to establish a constitutional monarchy. A constitutional monarchy. Uh, there would be no uh, backsliding, they wouldn't allow a republic. Uh, and the various factions that were there, and they went from the communists, the Trotskyists, all the way to the fascist party. And you imagine them all sitting down with their all delegates and pretty much equal uh, numbers of uh, participants, uh, or whatever the numbers were, and they all had to make compromises. And the one big compromise that those who were for the Republic had to make was to agree to a constitutional monarchy with, it was less of a democracy than what the British have, less of a, certainly less of a democracy that we have, but no question about it that it wasn't democracy. Given those circumstances, uh, once that happened, we, the Veterans League Brigade, and pretty much all the rest of the International Brigade, uh, said we had done our job, the first point in our constitution was to help the democratic forces of Spain, which we did all through those 40 years, illegally, legally, whichever way we could, we helped the uh, anti-fascist forces. And uh, once that they had attained their uh, democracy, we said any further decisions as to where they go has to be a decision of the Spanish people, and we are not going to interfere. We have the right to interfere, and we will not take decisions on. Can I answer your question? Perhaps you don't know that the, Spain, the Basque people are one of the oldest people in Europe. They speak a language which is not related to Anglo-Saxon, Slavic, or Latin. What they strive for centuries is independence. And so when came the Spanish Civil War, some of them join us, it, not, it wasn't the majority. The majority wanted to independence, and as now you see that they have a group of uh, people who strive to get to independence, and they commit some uh, uh, terroristic attack against the Spanish government. And so I don't believe this, uh, the Basque people play an important role they were undecided, and, and the maybe majority were with us, the Republican side, but some also served with Franco. Yeah, uh, both Mo and George. Um, a couple of years ago, 2003, when the war began in Iraq, we organized what we thought was very similar on the model of the International Brigade. We went to Baghdad as human shields. We had 500 people from 34 countries. 
and our model was the International Brigade. Some of our people came back, were hassled by the US government, they have liens against them, a lot of things. George says Roosevelt was the best of the US presidents. I disagree. Could you tell me uh, how many people came back for the International Brigades and were hassled by the government, placed in jail for the uh, violations of the Neutrality Act, or any of the persecutions that occurred when people came back from Spain to the U.S. Could you talk about that? Um, from before we left in, uh, in uh, January of '37, there had already been instituted in the Congress the House on Committee on Un-American Activities. This was in reaction to the upsurge and the movement to the left on the parts of masses of American people. And uh, their objective was to try to stop it. Uh, the harassment consisted of uh, asking questions, and if they could catch you in a lie, getting a, a, a house to agree to uh, uh, what was the penalty, uh, and you could you could serve up to a year in jail for lying, not because you were a member of the Communist Party or a member of this or a member of that, just for lying. Uh, the harassment became more intense uh, during. Uh, well, there was some harassment during World War II in that the Army was interested in getting a questionnaire to all of the Americans who had fought in Spain. Why? Because they were the most recent Americans who had endured battle. And they approached the leadership of the organization and we saw the list of questions that they asked. We agreed to send it out. And the most important point in that was motivation. And the main point we made about that motivation was that if you were informed, if you knew what the heck you were fighting about, you were better fighting man. Uh, I'm digress. <laughs> Get back to the point. Uh, we were harassed during the McCarthy period. A special law was passed called the House on American, the House Subversive, um, the House Subversive Activities Act, in which, uh, with no hearing and so on, the Soviet Union was proclaimed a enemy of the United States and that it had its forces working in the United States, and they were the Communist Party, and all members of the Communist Party should register. Uh, they had a second part of the act, which was, I think directed at us, uh, but it was directed at organizations who were tools of the Communist Party. And the list that they used for this was the list promulgated by then uh, attorney uh, uh, what's the name of the guy that uh, now goes all over the place? Yeah, Tom Clark. Who? Tom Clark. Clark. Tom Clark. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, in any case, to make a long story short, uh, we uh, decided that most of those organizations were out of business. They couldn't afford to fight them. We decided to fight them. Why? Because it abrogated the constitutional right of Americans to join any organization they please as long as they didn't break the law. And uh, we were not breaking the law. In any case, to make a long story short, we wanted. That was a kind of harassment. There was some other harassment. Answer your question? Well, the neutrality act. I know people were arrested when they got off the boats coming back. No, the only ones who were arrested when they got off the boats were the ones who were non-citizens. They had what was called the green card. And uh, if you had the green card then, you had to report to the embassy once a year, and the men fighting at the front were in no position to do it. Talk to Andy Belchowski. He's there. Talk. Who? Andy Belchowski. Uh, yeah. 
Well, whatever. <laughs> Next question. I have a comment, actually, but it'll be brief. No, it's, it's This isn't recording. an amplification. This is recording. <laughs> well, you tell us or we'll jump in. Um, I just wanted to say that you guys, that I feel that all of us really want to thank you because you guys have inspired our generation, I think, to go out and think internationally in a way that otherwise we haven't. And there are very few heroes that we can thank. And my brother here and I, our great great uncle died in Spain. And so we haven't been able to properly thank you guys for doing this. But that you did it means a tremendous amount to, I feel like, what has happened in the world. and our ability and our confidence in ourselves to make change. Thank you very much.
that no other party, political party, has the same uh, posture. And uh, that's what, why collapsed the Soviet Union. Soviet Union, you had a class of commissar, the commissar had maids, they have chauffeur, they have, no, we cannot accept exploitation one man for another, we're all equal. And it's feasible, I have seen it in Spain, and it worked perfectly well. So let me give you the answer of the Veterans Wing Brigade, which is not the Radicalist Party or the Communist Party or anybody else. Uh, we, during the Abraham Lincoln Brigade was the first American military union that we, unit that was completely integrated. We had commanders who were black, rank and file, and so on. Uh, we participated in the, in the uh, fight for civil rights of our fellow black Americans, naturally because of our background. And when that took place during the late 50s and through the early 60s. And we in the office would sit and have four sessions. And the question would be asked, it only happened one time, who was braver? The guys, the young people who are going down to the South to integrate the uh, cafeterias, to integrate the cafeterias, uh, to uh, get black voters registered, et cetera, et cetera, or we who went to fight fashion and we gun. And unanimously we voted, they were braver. And I think you can understand that, that uh, this action was uh, a, a, a superior heroism. But then to basically answer your question, what can young people do today? You can only do what your times dictate, what the Exigencies of a particular situation in which you are in. And uh, uh, it encompasses what George was talking about, social social struggle. Uh, we veterans have been given a great deal of credit for being the granddaddies, uh, granddaddies of activism. We're proud of that. And uh, I guess it's true because we laid our life on the line. Certainly, the young people going to the South lay their life on the line. But you don't have to lay your life on the line. You just have to be a member, a member of society, and have a social conscience, and get active in whatever phase it is, and do your part, whether it's uh, taking care of our planet uh, or uh, fighting globalization or whatever it is. But to be active, I would add to it: if you can be an internationalist, because it makes you a bigger and better person, you understand more. Uh, we were born internationalists, and we remain internationalists. I guess that was that. Okay, I think we have time for just one more question. Uh, nice to see you again. I don't know if you remember. I saw you at a rally years ago when we met that. Uh, British, that British gentleman who fought in the Spanish Civil War. My question is, I've done a lot of reading about the Spanish Civil War, including homage to Catalonia, et cetera. And I'm, I'm just wondering if you would comment to the degree that you know about it, that obviously the Republican small or Republican forces were up against a fascist powerhouse backed by Hitler and Mussolini. But my reading, at least from what I read in Homage to Catalonia and other books, that part of the problem was that the left 
very complex left in Spain, also here, was compromised in certain ways by the communists, who were pretty much ruled by Stalin, who was already trundling around with Hitler in a thing that ultimately led to the Hitler-Stalin pact. Um, and that uh, Stalin, Stalin certainly had no love for anarchists, since he was a megalomaniac. And I'm wondering if you would comment on that aspect of how that played itself out in the Abraham Lincoln Brigade, etc. Because I think it's playing itself out again with the communists, for example, in, in China, becoming the mega capitalists of the universe. Good question. I'm not answering it as the secretary of the Veterans of Lincoln Brigade. I'm not answering it as secretary of the Veterans of Lincoln Brigade. Because they have not taken a position on this. There was politics going on in Spain before we came there. There were politics that went on while we were there. And uh, uh, the claims have been made. And uh, interestingly enough, there is a uh, uh, John, uh, John, John, the ex-president of NYU, Brad, Bradimus, John Bradimus. I understand he's speaking tomorrow here. He wrote uh, for his doctorate of, of a uh, paper on the uh, on the anarchist, what happened to the anarchists during the Spanish Civil War. And I want to tell you, this many years later, I learned a hell of a lot uh, from reading it. And uh, uh, I think the point that you're interested in this is the fact that there was a double revolution that takes place in Spain when the junta performs its rebellion. One is fighting back against the rebellion, and the second is in terms of a social revolution that takes place down on the ground. It takes various forms in various parts of the country, depending upon who is leading the government in those particular countries. In Catalonia, and to some degree in, uh, in the Basque country, uh, the social revolution was led by the anarchists. And the anarchists actually took state power and, and held it despite the fact that the legal authority in uh, Catalonia, which at that point was composed of the socialists and the communists who had merged under companies to form one political party. And uh, they were the majority, but you had the, uh, the um, liberal democrats, uh, the, the other factions of the United Front that had won in Spain, the Popular Front, uh, and there was dual holding of power at the time. And the claim was made, and it was reinforced by, by what's his name in homage to Catalonia, Orwell, Orwell in homage to Catalonia, that that revolutionary spirit of a land that existed along with anti-fascism at the time was such that if it had been carried out all over Spain, it would have won the revolution. Argument. Uh, even the anarchists had to finally agree that they had to compromise that position. Why? Because even though they created collective farms, uh, took over factories where the owners had run away, kicked out those who didn't run away, set up workers' commissions to run it, and set up collectivization on the farms. But this was an ideal situation, but could not face up to the problem 
that if you lost the war, all of it would go down the drain. And so they had to make compromises. And I would say, I would, I would have loved to have seen both these things coexist at the same time, but it, it, it was not possible. It, it puts me in mind of the utopian adventures that take place all over the world, particularly in the United States. If you know your history, you had utopian little socialist things, or if you want the, uh, the, the what were those, uh, the, in, in Israel, the kibbutzim or ideal socialist enclaves in, 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 a, in a world of capitalism and so on when they began and had to yield uh, to the reality of what life is like. I don't know if this answers your question, but it, it you know, it, it, it covers the thing, right? Yeah, thank you. Okay, so that, that is it. Um, at four o'clock, John Ross and Algier are done.